Hi, and welcome to episode 189 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Hello. And as we are throughout the World Cup, Alex Benison. How are you going, mate? Yeah, not bad, are you? Yeah, really good. I mean, I've got to go back to work after this, which doesn't help, but I'll only have to do it for about 15 minutes or so. So it won't be, uh, it won't be too bad. Uh, KC, you all right? Yeah, not bad. Totally. Didn't space on the time of this or anything. No, we're not six minutes late for any reason whatsoever. And I mean, I know that you were all sat at home with bated breath waiting for us to go live because it's pretty much the highlight of everyone's day. But we've made you wait. Um, as always, Simpsons, Simpsons title. A lovely fajita. Yeah, that, that's got nothing to do with it either, that fajita. Nothing to do with anything. By the way, Casey, what's your least favourite country? Italy or France? France. <laughs> Nobody ever says Italy. <laughs> um, thank you so, for backing me on that one because that is from my favourite ever episode of The Simpsons yeah that's why I didn't bother telling you that that was coming I knew you'd know it uh, so to steal a line from TIFO football England free nil Senegal <laughs> uh, okay then really um, really good performance once you take the first half hour out of it Built his way into a game, I guess. I mean, we didn't want to show everything off before, you know, we get to the later stages. Yeah, that's definitely it. We were holding something back because you don't want the French to know that we actually could have put nine past them. Um, I actually, I wouldn't go as far as I was ever worried in this game because the first half hour where we want great, Senegal did look like they had a little bit of a threat, but they never looked great themselves. But once they sort of got going, England did look very much in a different league to Senegal in this. Uh, is it the most stress-free England knockout game you've ever seen? Ooh, was it more? Was it? Was it more stress-free than the Ukraine game? Oh, good. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. What did that finish? Was it 4 0? Yeah, I suppose the other one is probably. Um, I'm just trying to think. Sort of, as we were discussing this, sort of after the game, I have a massive blank of England between 2012 and 2016. So I can't remember what we actually did and didn't do. Um, but, like, my. Before that, quite sadly, my, my last good memory of like winning a knockout game fairly resoundingly seems to be like 2002 we beat, we beat like Denmark 3-0 uh, yeah there was um, I think Real Ferdinand scored a header I think that was one of the goals I can't remember the others but Will Ferdinand has still been at Leeds and that's why I remember uh, I believe he was at Leeds for about four more weeks yeah <laughs> I'm going to say I think after after 2006 Leading up to our 2018 World Cup run, I don't think we won a knockout game. Didn't get into Euro 2008, knocked out by Germany in South Africa, then didn't go through in 2014. 2012, I think we were knocked out in round of 16, and I think 2016 is when Iceland knocked us out. Yeah, it wasn't a good run. So it was nice to see just a solid win. So first half, I were not great, but um, luckily... Everyone was completely on board with the selection, so no one was surprised when Jordan Henderson rocked up to make it 1-0. That shit bastard Jordan Henderson coming into the team. What's he bringing to this team anyway? I must admit, don't get me wrong, Like we have all seen Liverpool fans on Twitter. They are very precious and stuff. As a fan, the Leeds fans are a bit like that as well, but not to the same extent. However, they do have a point with Jordan Henderson. Because the way that he's talked about, you would think that they had picked Benson and or Hedges. <laughs> I think someone listed off that he's he is now like say he we went on to win this World Cup. He could say I've won the FA Cup, the Premier League, the Champions League. The, the, I'm not going to make that joke that I was really tempted to make from home right at the bat. Um, yeah, because that joke. It, it, is not racist and is funny, but only if you know the reference. Yeah, um, <laughs> has won the Club World Cup, has won the Super Cup, and it just and at that point you're there going, 
maybe he is a decent sentiment. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with him. He's been quite... He's been a good midfielder for a long time. I think he's probably not as good as he was a few years ago. So now he is still a good midfielder who isn't quite as good. Do I think he should be in England starting eleven? No, probably not. But it's not like we're picking some awful, horrendous player. And I did see some people describing him as like the shittest player ever to play for England, which is a stretch. <laughs> I mean, Michael Ricketts has played for England. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton Palmer played for England multiple times. So, yeah, he comes in. We look reassured. We've got three in midfield and we're looking solid. So, five at the back for France. Uh, I reckon that may well happen. But we should talk about the uh, the assist for Henderson's goal. Jude Bellingham breaking down the left. It's quite good, isn't he, Jude Bellingham? I'd argue you take it back a step further. And the second we started playing well was the moment Phil Foden did that little flick down the line. Yeah, that was a lovely little touch. Because he's obviously therefore involved in the build-up for the first and he gets the assists for the second and the third. So, in the end... It ended up being a good selection. Once we went 1-0 up, was there ever any moment where either you thought we were in any danger? No. I'm, I'm trying to remember that there was... Pickford made a couple of decent saves, but there were also saves I think you'd expect him to make. Uh, um, yeah, the, there was the one where, he, where they gave a goal kick from the really close range one, and no one really realised he'd saved it until they showed it from the other side. And then you were oh, that, that was a really good save. The other one was a good save, but one you'd expect him to make. Um, 1-0, obviously, going in at half-time, if we'd have been 1-0 up, it's a good half, but not great. And then the timing of Kane's goal to get the second right on the stroke of half-time. Good counter-attack. Foden delays it for a while, plays the pass at the right time. And to be fair to Kane, he's a good finisher, never looked like he was going to miss. There, there was no trickery involved with that that finish. That was just a striker who, oh God, I've not scored for three games. I'm going to hit this as hard as I can. Yeah. And it was it was just a solid finish. Exactly what you want from him. And there's a lot of players in this World Cup that could learn from just putting your foot through it. But we'll probably come on to those games in a bit. Uh, and then the second half, England, again, looked way the better side. Um, and then... A lovely bit of football that sets up Saka for the third, and it's a really good finish as well. That was a really nice goal. Yeah, this, at this point, England are just rolling and playing playing some really nice football. And it's, I suppose, at that point, you've it, it's that really frustrating thing again of England have won. Yay, Gareth Southgate's doing brilliantly. Just wait till we lose to France. <laughs> Well, there is a little bit of that, but what I would say is now, no one can look at this tournament and go like, oh, England have really fucked this up. Because if they get beat by France, that's not an unreasonable thing to happen. But the more no, I think about no, that Jack, game... losing to the French is never a reasonable thing to happen. It depends at what. <laughs> if, we yeah, describe so... it as, if we describe this game as a war, might be okay. <laughs> Is there was there any, were there any performances in that game that worried you in any way? Any anyone who you thought didn't play well enough to be there? Stones. It's, it's the first time I've seen Stones be a bit unsure. Like in like we said in those first thirty minutes, we were a bit off the pace, and he looked a little bit nervous, but calmed down and settled into the game. By no chance do I think it means Eric Dyer or Connor Cody are coming in. But he was the only one, I think, out of that starting eleven that I kind of looked at and went, oh, he's, he doesn't look 100% ready for this game. Mm. Yeah, he, he missed a, I think he missed a few challenges and his distribution wasn't particularly great. Um, but, you know, fortunately, he, he did it in a game where ultimately we were very comfortable. So you just got to hope it's kind of one of those. He's got it out of his system. Yeah, really solid win. Um, and then we'll go on to play France, which we'll talk about more later. But they got through with a 3-1 win over Poland. Uh, I believe my prediction for this was 3-0, and then Poland got to have two penalties in the 96th minute. 
So that was a little bit annoying. Um, if we were comfortable during the second half, France were just as comfortable, but they had slightly more scare because Poland should have gone one nil up. Yeah, Poland played really well for the first forty-five minutes and the first ten minutes of that of that second half. They kept them at bay, and France didn't really look like they were going to create much. And then out of nothing, Olivier Giroud scores and becomes France's top goal scorer. Yeah, it's 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 a hell of an achievement for Giroud. Obviously, it is easier to score a lot of international goals now. Because there's more games and stuff, it, it does make it a little bit easier. But he was like a fourth division player that did, wasn't in anyone's academy or anything. So to end up top score for your country is a hell of an achievement. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of yeah. What is it? Giroud, Henri. Um, I think it's like Benzema next, then then Platini. So decent yeah. company to be in. And obviously, uh, I know the reason way. why Benzema was dropped, but imagine how many goals he had if he'd have actually played that whole time that he was blacklisted from the uh, from their national team. Yeah, I've just looked. He's got 37 in 97 caps, and there's a lot of years that he didn't play. Mm. Uh, for what it's worth, third is Griezmann, 42, then Platini. Ah, OK. Then Benzema, Trezeguet. And then Kylian Mbappe on 33. Just as a reminder, Kylian Mbappe is 23 years old. Something tells me he might end up top of that list. Well, all, already... all, all he has to do is not blackmail his teammate over a sex tape. That's all he has to do. Well, he's already, I think he's, in terms of World Cup goals, I think he scored one more than Cristiano Ronaldo at his level with Messi or the other way around. Yeah. Well, he got two more in this. Uh, both of them excellent finishes. Uh he is pretty scary as a footballer. It's a really good job England haven't picked up any yellow cards in this tournament because I imagine a number will be picked up trying to deal with him. But I, I, I did see something about that. Is it actually none in four games? Yeah. Yeah. And as, and as you've said on uh, during the game, Jack, four straight clean sheets at the World Cup as well. Yeah, four we straight clean sheets because those girls for the scored don't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what was it? Well, by, that was after the game. By that point, I'd have had what six pints, seven. <laughs> Not drunk, but drunk enough to forget two meaningless <laughs> goals at the end of a game that was a while ago. I've watched a lot of football. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, Lewandowski gets a penalty in what turns out to be the 99th minute. What was more pointless, that penalty or the penalty shootout between Leeds and Crew in the JPT? <laughs> Where both teams were already out, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lewandowski's first attempt at that penalty was with all the effort of a man who knew he was going home anyway. Yeah, uh, just this is uh, something we talked about in the pub, but I might as well bring it up here. If you completely stop your run-up like that, should the keeper be allowed to come off his line? Because you've made the keeper come off his line, really. Yeah, and it's the same for the players running into the box. They shouldn't be penalised for you stopping. Yeah, I mean, I don't say, go in and throw a slide tackle, but... Because that was the thing I hadn't realised about that, was that that one was... Was it that game? It was, it was retaken because uh, uh, the keeper was off his line, mm. when also one of the... French players is about three yards into the penalty area when he strikes it as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that they wouldn't have called it back for that because he wasn't like, it didn't become relevant. Mm. But like, obviously, I mean, Luis was two yards off his line, so they have to do a retake. But I'd say, have you ever gone back, not even deliberately, just seen it somewhere and seen the penalties from the 2005 Champions League final between Liverpool and Milan? When the goalkeepers are just Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of like the beside 2002 or 2003, which is when they had to bring in the rule for keepers coming off the line because the keepers. Yeah, were, when what, the was keepers that, were that was Milan the... as well. I think. Yeah. was that Milan Juve? 
Yeah, I think so. Where the keepers are about three yards off the line by the time the penalties have been struck. Well, when Dudek saves Shevchenko's penalty in Istanbul, Yurtsi Dudek is about three yards off his line as well. <laughs> it's it, it just looks weird though now because it because we it's one rule that has actually been pretty successfully implemented. It looks weird when you go back and see it. Because <laughs> I think when um, Sachin saved the he saved Messi's penalty, didn't he? In the was that in the group stage? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I think when they showed that, it was like the very edge of his heel was just on the line. Um, and I think like I think that's fine. That it is a part of your foot has to be on the line. Yeah, it's because, like because it's you, like because you do need to take that step forward to to get momentum. Yeah, it's like a, it's like bowling in cricket. Any part of the foot is to, but in that it's any part of your foot has to be behind the line. But it can be a centimeter. It's fine so long as there's something. Um, yeah, France won comfortably. On to what for Alex probably was the end of the World Cup in terms of him being truly invested. Uh, Japan won, Croatia won. Uh, and an actual one of the very rare things, an actual correct prediction from me. Uh, do you think that to just like before we get to the shootout, do you think a draw was about right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I was on the treadmill. I was watching this and forgot that I was on the treadmill when Japan scored and just completely stopped and then almost came flying off. Yeah, I was so invested. I, <laughs> Perisic's header is the worst part. I don't even care if we lose to France now. Perisic's header is the worst part of this World Cup for me. <laughs> it's a really a... good header from Perisic. Taking aside your feelings, that is an excellent header from there. No, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I found Japan well, quite quite funny in this game. <clears> to be honest, I thought I thought they started very well, and then. Probably from about the hour mark, they would have just like five minutes where all of a sudden they just flood forward again and, and they press really well and put Poland under a you know under a lot of pressure, and then they just drop back again for a little while. It was just like little waves almost that they sort of staggered it in. Gotta catch your breath. Yeah, come on. This is the first game that Kamada really took centre stage for Japan and controlled it and held that midfield. And I know that he'll be linked with uh, every team under the sun now, but Endo in the middle as well for his tackling. He was everywhere for 120 minutes. And it seems like such a shame for that that Japanese side to go out on penalties the way they did. Yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree with you if the penalties weren't so god like god awful. Yeah, Japan's penalties. Uh, I thought that Croatia... I mean, I actually put in our little group chat that I thought that Japan had enough bottle to win this. It's just that on penalties, Croatia have better natural ball strikers and a better goalkeeper. So I thought they'd win. However, I don't think it turns out Japan did have the bottle for it based on those penalties. I thought that they were terrible penalties. No, there there was no conviction behind any of their their strikes. I think the only one that did have conviction was the one that went in and he put the keeper the wrong side. But it was almost as if they just thought they were going to sell the keeper and just be able to place it every time. And they, yeah, no, they didn't believe in themselves. Yeah, oh, first oh, first penalty was a uh, Minamino, wasn't it? And his when he stepped up to take it. I tried to get on a betting company's thing to back the first penalty, but they'd already take to back it to be a miss because of just his body language, but they'd already suspended it. Because he just never it, it looked like just here's a load of pressure and it looked like they're just giving it to some bloke. He looked absolutely terrified. He'll be uh, he'll be disappointed given the amount of time he spent playing in Germany as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jermaine Jenners. Uh, I've, I've always thought um, with penalties, especially if you, because with most of those penalties, they were the penalties of, of 
people with not with much confidence, clearly. But if you're going to side foot it, put a bit of height on it then, because they were all at such easy to reach heights. Like if you are going to go for that side foot, fuck it, curl it into the top corner. Yeah, you want if if you go inside, it needs to be high and it needs all it needs to be right in the corner. And mm. these were low and like what halfway between the middle and the corner. They were so easy to serve. It was yeah. almost like they were scared of missing the target. That they just wanted to make sure at least it's on target. Yeah, and you just you can't get away with stuff like that. Um, I mean, fortunately, but... as, as we'll come on to, you know, for, former world champion Spain will will show them how it's done. Yeah. Well, I think just a stat, another stat that was going around. It's obviously, Croatia got to the last World Cup final. Um, I'll, I'll say they've got it fully anywhere, but uh, yeah, they have had eight knockout games in the World Cup and Euros. Their last eight, seven have gone to extra time of Croatia. Uh, the only one that didn't was the final against France, and like they just they just keep winning them, but they're all extra time and penalties. Uh, yeah, weird one to say. It was one of those things when we were watching it as well for, for Perisic's goal. You know, when a commentator says something and you go, Well, he's gonna score now, like he just brought up the fact, Oh, he's level with Suka on international uh tournament goals with eight. Now, yeah, so that means he's scoring and making it nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a bit of foreshadowing. Um, one that was a lot more comfortable and a game that. Went exactly the way that everyone thought it was gonna, but I still can't believe quite how easy it was. Brazil for South Korea won, and what was it 30 4 0 after 35 minutes? Yep, game over, just absolutely ridiculous. Manager dancing on the touchline, still craggy face though, just you know, because he's got to you know give off that, that manager vibe. Like, I'm taking part in this, but I'm, I'm not happy about it. To be fair, I'd look like that if Richarlison were trying to make me dance like a pigeon as well. Um, and I think that's why they all just repeatedly slapped him as hard as they could in the head. <laughs> <laughs> this was a seriously impressive performance. The, the football Brazil played was outstanding. Like, Vinicius Junior scored the first one. Cross from Rafinha. Rafinha doesn't even get the assist because Neymar went to touch it, messed it up and got a tiny touch on it. Before it went to Vinicius Junior, so Neymar gets the assist because football is stupid. Uh, then Neymar penalty. The commentary seemed to act like it was a bit of a harsh call that penalty, but it wasn't. It was absolutely a penalty. He just booted him. Just because he didn't know he was there doesn't make it any less of a penalty. But the third goal, Richarlison's. I didn't really think Richarlison should be in the Brazil side. I didn't think he was good enough to be there number nine. He's had quite a good World Cup. He's, and this, he's had a good tournament, the, hasn't he? This, and this goal was outstanding. The skill to do like the three headers and cushion it down, turn away. Then, whoa, someone's echoing. Uh, the, the third man run, just little pass into... Was it Thiago Silva with the little pass as well? That's so perfectly weighted for Richarlison, just passes it in. It was such a good... It was such a good goal, Alex. That you're that you're Dom. Even he went. Ah, it's a good goal. <laughs> ah, football. Yeah, even he was able to notice that that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they turned. I mean, they turned it on and knew that after. I mean, not to take anything away from South Korea, but after three, it was probably enough to see them through. And then Paqueta's goal just kind of rubber stamped it. it that were a great finish as well. To be able to control yeah. that and keep it low is a, is a fantastic bit of skill. Um, and yeah, they're going to be... We knew they were going to be dangerous, but I, I think any team that comes against them now is going to be worried. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was... I mean, the, the second half isn't really worth talking about. Brazil stopped trying. And yeah, South Korea got one. And technically, they won the second half, which I'm sure is what the team talk was. Because I'm sure the cliches in South Korea were the same. Come on, lads, still nil-nil win the second half. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was... Um, that first half from Brazil was... It was... The for me, it's still the best 45 minutes I've seen. But there's another one coming up that I really wasn't expecting. Uh, but which can challenge it. Um, so yeah, the 
other one that this is the real shock you would is it the is it the only massive shock of the last 16 it isn't it yeah morocco nil spain nil this is the this is the amount of dealing with possession where my dad's right and with his term of stop fucking about with it and get it forward spain real they had they had like over a thousand passes they had all of the ball and i think the xg was like 0.6 or something yeah they they just you know it it kind of reminded me of of watching um watching Man U this season, they're just so afraid to put the ball in the box and just try something that they'll pass it all the way down the wing and then, right, let's knock it back to the left or the right back and pass it across the centre-backs again. Or we're back in our own half all of a sudden. Yeah, it was weird because obviously Spain had all of the ball. And yet they hit the post right at the end of extra time. And they did have a, a couple of chances, but that, um, I can't, his name's gone. The, yeah, Chadera, the one that they brought on that was running in behind from Morocco. Two of them, he didn't even get the shot away, but he arguably had the three best chances of the 120 minutes. Like Morocco had two shots on target, Spain only had one. It, I don't think that Spain can claim to be unlucky here. No, I'm just, like you say, I'm just, I'm just looking at the, the stats here now. 77% possession to 23. Morocco made 305 passes to Spain's 1,019. Yeah, yeah 30, was... 13 shots, one on target to Morocco's six and two. Um, and, and you look at the talent that's there, and it's... You just think someone... That, that that game was was crying out for someone in that Spain team, sort of just give it a bit of directness or something that, like that, and it just never came. Yeah, like when they brought Morata on, they did look a bit better because they had that actual someone who was a real striker going for it, but it didn't make them that much better. Like I just I just thought like Spain, if you play that game again, Spain probably do end up winning it. But I thought Morocco defended... I mean, it's not a surprise they defended well. The defensive record has been really good. But you would have looked at that Spain team and thought, ah, they've got enough to break these down. And they just didn't. Uh, and then it came to the penalties. Luis Enrique said Spain had taken over a 1,000 penalties to practice between the squad. Well, you wouldn't know it because their penalties were goddamn awful. I mean, I, I did like by the end when they went, right, Sergio Busquets has been there... He's done it all. Except for tape penalties, really. Uh, <laughs> clearly not. Yeah, another case of some very, very bad penalties. Well, yeah, like, they, and in Morocco's case, some excellent penalties. I saw I saw a video the other day and it was going back through the last time Spain were in a penalty shootout and it was showing you the, the penalty takers. They've not really had a history of great penalty takers when it comes to tournaments. Like, their starting two for the last time was Sergio Ramos and Gerard Piquet. So, the forwards aren't comfortable in that situation. Ramos is a weird one because Sergio Ramos has taken, like, 40 penalties in his career and only missed a couple. Like, he does take a lot of them, but but Piquet is a weird one. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, I think the other... Two, because I think they only had four. One was Cesc Fabregas, and obviously he doesn't; he's not playing anymore. And I think the other one was Jordi Alba. So it is defensive mindset, and they took Jordi Alba off. I know he got a bit of a knock, um, but you know, I do think it's a shame that they didn't give people like that Nico Williams that took Nico Williams off and brought Sarabia on, who ended up missing the first penalty. Yeah, never bring a player on just for a shootout. If you want to bring a player on with penalties in mind, especially a forward player like this, do it it at 110 minutes. So they've got a bit of time. If you bring him on just to take a penalty, and in his case to nearly score the winner as well in the 121st minute, uh, (laughs) it's always going to be difficult. But uh, yeah, Boone over here, if you save two out of three, you've won it's supposed you're always going to be man at match 
But like, it's not like there were difficult saves. I just thought the penalties were shit. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then finally, of course, Ashraf Hakimi has a giant cock. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, being cool under pressure like that, all jo- all joking about genitals aside, that do you think it's because even if he missed, there were still big favourites. So it just freed him up to do it. Or do you think he'd have done it anyway? <laughs> yeah, I suppose he's still 2-0 up at that point, aren't you? So Yeah, you would still be, even if Spain then it's scored... Still only a penalty away from winning. You'd, you'd have been two... Even if Spain scored, you'd be 2-1 up after four each. Yeah. So you'd still be massive favourite if it does go wrong. Yeah. And, like, I... I... I ripped into him. Well, I say I ripped into him. I put into the message uh, into our chat, and I was like, "What was that celebration about?" Apparently, it's a celebration he does with Sergio Ramos when he's at PSG. Oh man, because they bloody love penguins. Well, I mean, you know, he's from Madrid. <laughs> like, not just oh, he was there as a kid. No, he's like born there. <laughs> That's what... so. They'll have been fuming. Uh, all the Real Madrid accounts that I saw were tweeting out just pictures of Sergio Ramos because they were all fuming, but he didn't get picked, even though he's not there anymore. And they were going, that would have made the difference. The, dif- the problem was that they had 120 minutes of all the ball and didn't create much. Now, Sergio Ramos is very good on the ball, and he probably would have scored a penalty, but he, but it wasn't the centre-backs that were the problem. It was nil-nil. <laughs> it, was, it was such a strange Spain spot to see Rodri playing as the centre-half, though. Yeah. I think, to be honest, in this game, it was fine. Because they had all the ball. It might it would have been interesting if they'd have been playing, say, you know, France or someone like that later in the tournament, then seeing him at centre back. Would have been weird. All it's really done, I think, is give hope to Calvin Phillips at Man City that maybe Pep Guardiola will watch that and go, Oh, I can play them both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the final one, of which I'll admit I haven't seen the last half hour of this because uh, I was asleep. Um but Start of it, Ronaldo dropped everyone up in arms. That's the entire story. Guess what? Portugal are now good. By the way, I had this for nil-nil. I really did not see this. I thought this would be such a tight, defensive, just scrappy game. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's. It was an absolutely fantastic performance from in this in the circumstances where it could have fallen apart for Portugal and and, and with people squabbling and stuff like that. It was an absolutely fantastic performance. Um, again, started really quickly. Fantastic goal from from Ramos. Who, that first goal. Who just I... I, to use a technical term. He just swats it into the top corner. Yeah, I saw someone... I heard someone say something earlier, and I think it's right. You know one of them where someone hits it and it hits the side netting, but it looks for all the world like it's going in? Hmm. This was like the opposite. When he hit it, it looked for all the world like it wasn't going in, and then it went in the top corner. Because at that power, on that angle... It didn't need to curl much, and it curled just enough. It was such a good strike. Yeah, it it is a it's a great fit. I mean, you can all you have to do is look at Jan Sommer's face after that goes in, and he even knows like there's nothing he can do about that. It's yeah. just- Sommer is Sommer is stood on his near post, and he still can't do anything about it. It's <laughs> such a good hit. No, great story as well because it. You know, he's coming for. I think they said it's his first international start. Yeah, they said so before hat trick. Before that game, it was something like he's only had thirty-five minutes of international football. Yeah, it, yeah, they did say so. Like he's had, it was like his fourth cap, but the others were all ten minutes at the end and stuff like that. And yeah. now you're here replacing Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, Le- Leeds are already on the PR train going, oh, we were one of the ones in for him last summer. So will you stop <laughs> fucking lying? <laughs> we're getting like Arsene Wenger with all. We were going to sign him. <laughs> it's, 
So yeah. long as we don't get like Arsene Wenger with uh, other stuff he started saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's um, obviously, I mean, he's got he's got nine goals. He's top of league and off for for goals this season for the, uh, within that Benfica side that are running away with that league. But I, I mean, he could have only dreamed of having that kind of impact on the team, and it's not just him because I think all all of Portugal's forwards in this game kind of gelled well together. Like Bruno Fernandes had a more influential game. Uh, Bernardo Silva seemed to just click and come into possession, and even wing backs like who knew playing an informed Diego Dallo at right back would work so well. Yeah, I mean that's an that's sort of the underrated big call. No Cancelo. Consuelo. Obviously, be, because there's no because there's no Ronaldo, no one really notices. But not playing Cancelo, I'd have never seen that coming before the tournament. No, I, I, I had a fe- I had this weird feeling that he was gonna do what Pep did and put Cancelo at left back and play Dallo at right back, or, or based on forming the thing, but. Guerrero offers so much on that left-hand side as as a full-back option, and he's so good going forward. It's kind of hard to not have him in that side, uh, and especially now that uh, you know Mendes is actually out injured, uh, I reckon that that's probably Rafael Guerrero for the rest of the tournament for Portugal. Well, you'd assume that at least, I mean, at least for the next game, there's no way they can change it. Um, I think that the second goal is the one that really does. With one. What, I, there is one weird thing that I don't understand. I don't get why, having been so defensively solid for years, and it is years at this point, why Switzerland switched formation and went with like sort of. It was like a free. It was really weird. It was like a free one four one one because like Shakiri wasn't up front, but he wasn't defending. And Bolo's up there. They've got wing backs and three at the back with Ricardo Rodriguez on the left. It was just a really weird way to set up. It was like they went more defensive. But the normal formation, they their strength is the defence. Why have they changed it? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure to be honest. That um obviously I I think it's a big call putting Ricardo Rodriguez on the left side of that centre-back partnership. Fabian Schaar seemed to have a pretty abysmal game. That's not like him as well because he's been pretty decent this season. And obviously, I know Akanji is someone that you can rely on to be pretty strong, but Jack has been playing more of a forward role for Arsenal, so having him try and hold isn't going to be the best option. And all you're going to end up creating is such a... Um, like he's going to be so congested down the sides with that Gerson Fernandez and I can't remember who, um, that Vargas on the left because yeah. you know that Portugal's wing backs are going to come over uh, overlap and let Bruno and uh, Bernardo Silva come into the middle of the pitch so you're just going to cause all sorts of problems for yourself in the centre and out wide yeah um, it was a weird one, but they were bad at everything here, so it's like obviously they were bad in open play, but like as good as Pepe's header is, like it's such abysmal defending. Corden comes in, he's just no one running with him. He's got a standing jump in between two centre backs that catch out. They were just bad in all areas, Switzerland, and it's uh it yeah, you can't really have any complaints when you play that badly. Nice little note from that game as well that the referee was younger than Pepe. <laughs> second second oldest goal scorer at a World Cup now. After Roger Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Which which I think there's plus or minus five years either side on his, to be fair. Yeah, well, I mean I hope I hope Most, it is but plus. probably plus, but I, I hope it is plus. They should, they should definitely release that because if it turns out it was like forty seven, that's even better. Canu <laughs> <laughs> should do the same. Um so from those quarterfinals. Is there any like particular thing that has come to you out of it? Like any any spicy hot takes that have come out of it? Um, I think this might be Messi's last game at a World Cup. Ooh. Oh, do you think they get? Well, then I will slightly flip the order, and we will start with Netherlands Argentina Friday <laughs> seven o'clock. 
because we have actually got time to do this. Um, so you, you're fancying the Netherlands then, I'm assuming? Yeah, I think... I know they've not been as solid defensively as what I thought they were going to be. They've not started their first-choice keeper, um, which was a very strange call to see for this tournament, but they've got enough about them uh, to really kind of nullify their uh, Argentina's attack. I know Messi can produce anything at any point, but with like Dumfries on the on the right hand side as well, they'll overload that left hand side. Uh, Kuna will probably find it quite hard to to deal with both him and probably Bergwijn on on that right hand side. Um, and obviously Cody Gakpo in in great form, so I think uh, they'll just overload this at this Argentina side. And if Saudi Arabia can do it, so can the Netherlands. Such, such is the song. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one because I do I, I look at the Argentina team and it there's there's a number of players that are knocking on and I know there's kind of you've, you've got these attacking players that are full of experience then you've got uh, like Martinez who isn't really the goal scorer I think they need and then you've got. Alvarez, who who started that game against Australia, who is probably someone at this point in his career that you shouldn't be having to rely on once you get to a World Cup quarterfinal. I know they've got Angel Di Maria on the bench, who who might come back in, but I can't say I've been massively impressed with him in the World Cup. Um, I, I feel like Argentina are a team to, there to be got at. The only issue is is whether Holland's lack of a natural goal scorer is going to cost them in a game like this. Because I, I think if they've got an out-and-out striker in that team, I think they'd probably win this fairly comfortably. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be shocked if the Netherlands won, but I think Argentina will win this. Uh, it's weird because obviously I picked Netherlands for a couple of things early in the tournament. Because I thought that in the group stage they would batter people. And they still did really, and they were comfortable winners. But I just, I'm not sure that Netherlands defensively can cope if Messi and one other of Argentina's really attacking players show up in this game. And I back them to, I think it, I, my money is on it being Alvarez, to be fair, but. He might be the one that gets the goals, but even though we didn't get anything in the game against Australia, it was Messi's best game in the tournament by a decent distance, I thought. So I think he's starting to fire up now, and I, I think Argentina will win this. Um, we, will, we won't bother going exact scores for everything because we'll do the normal thing of tweeting them out on the day. Because there's always, when it's something like the World Cup, there might be four injuries by then, and that changes mm. everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, earlier that day, I don't think that there'll be any dissension on this one. Croatia, Brazil. Croatia. Yeah, he means in, that. In extra time. <laughs> um, it, it'd definitely be interesting if Croatia do, but I don't see anything other than like Brazil by two or three. There's he. he um, what's his name? The, who's the left back that plays for Rangers? Uh, is it he struggled against Itel. He's going to struggle against Rafinha if he can't keep up. Is uh is Borna Sosa not done for the tournament then? Uh, he's out with a virus, so he, I guess he's on till the day to see if he's fit enough. Because right. uh, he looked pretty decent in the games I've seen. He's actually a weird one when I've wait because as me and Ke as Leeds fans we always bang on about how we need a left back. Alex, you were the one who had been saying for two years, Sosa. If, if you can get him. Uh, so, yeah, if he comes back in, that'll help. But even if it is so, so I think Rafinha will have him cooked. And that front... F I mean, it is a front five, basically. Like, yeah. it, it's such... And if you've got that and you're playing against it, your best chance is to be able to really quickly spring a counter-attack. And the wingers can run and the striker can run a bit, but Croatia's midfield is not quick. Kovacic is quicker than he gets credit for, but they're not quick. I just don't. 
I think Croatia's only chance is like nil nil and penalties, and I don't see anyone keeping Brazil out. Yeah, I mean, you look at what happened to uh, South Korea once Brazil got in front, because it, all of a sudden, whatever your game plan is, it's gone out the window, and you then have to go after the game. And the amount of times Brazil just got in behind with acres of space because they've got the pace to do it. You got Neymar, who's who's making some great. Well, I say making some great runs from deep. He was basically playing as a second striker in that. To be fair, because I think at the time it was just it was akin to a four-two-four, wasn't it? Like at times you would just see the Brazil front four just stood with their South Korean defenders. Four, four, two, four, and and one of the two was Paqueta, who was basically up front as well at times. So it's more four, one, five. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the longer you can can keep it nil, nil, and just keep it tight, the, you know, the more of a chance Croatia will have. If if that, you feel like if they go behind in the first twenty minutes, it's it's going to be an uphill battle for them. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if they decide to start with Kramerich this time. Because the front three looked a bit leggy against Japan. Petrovic came on and didn't have the effect that they expected him to. So, like, they've got a, a big problem up top of Croatia. And if they, one, they're going to have to defend against Brazil, but two, it's not like Brazil are slouches at the back either. Now, I suppose if you can get them. Um... Casemiro is a very, very good CDM, but he will be left very isolated. And Thiago Silva, as much as he's still good, he isn't what he was. So if if and I don't think that the fullbacks are particularly good either. I, th- I think like, uh, so. Like, you, may, maybe. Like like I was saying about John Stones earlier, it was probably a good time for for Luka Modric to to have probably his worst game of the tournament as well because he. Never got going in that game. There's a lot of wayward passing from him. So again, hopefully that he'll that he'll kind of have that out of his system and and can do something for them. But um, yeah, I'm not holding out much hope. Yeah, if I'm right with my predictions, I think a Brazil Argentina semi final could be quite tasty. Oh, is that the final? I can't remember the. I think that's the semi, isn't it? Yeah, that's the semi. They're on the same side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, three o'clock, Morocco, Portugal. Before Portugal got six, <laughs> I was sort of thinking, oh, yeah, they have a chance here. I, I still think they've got a chance, but I think quality will tell. I, I think that this will be tighter than Croatia Brazil, but I, I, having seen this version of Portugal, I have to fancy him Owen. If he's got the bottle to keep Ronaldo out of the side again. He's, there's no way he picks Ronaldo. Unless, unless like Gonzalo Ramos gets injured, there is no way that he picks Ronaldo. I mean, they, they, they played that well. It's, 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 it'd be really tough to argue putting him back in, especially to drop the guy who got the hat-trick. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, um, the, the thing is, Ronaldo's done the... He's done... He's put himself in more bother because instead of going over to the Portugal fans while all the rest of the team did, he just walked off and went down the tunnel. So no. he's, he's really not that doesn't sound the... like him. I <laughs> <laughs> punched a kid on the way out as well. Um, but yeah, he's 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 not... uh, by the way, legally, no he didn't. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I I can can't see them them recalling him. If if he's got the ball, he's got to keep it the same, the exact same starting eleven. There's a possibility that maybe Rafael Leal gets himself a start because every time he's come off the bench, he's looked electric. And but you know, if they are nil nil, he's the kind of player you want to bring on to run against a tired Moroccan defense. We didn't really mention that, but it says a lot about their attacking talent that he isn't starting because he's a fucking great player. Yeah, we really need a winger. It's not like we've just spent eighty million on one. Ah, he ain't going there. He's going way higher up the food chain than that. Um, Bolton. So, have you? 
So we 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 all know. Do we think Morocco? Do we hold out? What sort of level of hope do you have for Morocco, say compared to Croatia? Strangely, more. But you looked at the the confidence with which, when they did have chances, that quite often that you know they were just running out of time and just getting closed down, weren't getting shots away. But they, you know, they've only conceded one goal in the tournament. If you can, if you can keep up a, a decent defense in this and, and drag it out for as long as you can, then yeah. Although again, it, it I imagine it'll be quite demoralizing if it's nil nil on seventy minutes and then Cristiano Ronaldo comes on. Yeah. Um, right, so I think I think that my thing is just starting to lag a touch, by the way, which is a bit annoying, but we're on the last game. Uh, England-France. Obviously, the, on paper, the French have got a ridiculous squad, but it isn't quite what it was. Obviously, they've lost Kante, which is a big loss in centre midfield. As much as a pain in the arse, Pogba is brilliant on his day. They don't have him. But Giroud is a great focal point, and then having... Mbappe on the left is terrifying. Dembele, when he's on it, is nearly as talented as Mbappe. He just isn't always on it. Griezmann has been like a man reborn playing in this deeper role. He's been excellent in every game I've seen. Uh, they've got so many good centre-backs that there's 10 outside the squad that would make ours. Uh, just go back to earlier when we were talking about Giroud and, and the, the French top scorers. Are they going to have three of their all-time six leading goal scorers on the pitch at the same time? Yeah. Damn. That's good, that. Our third it's... highest goal scorer is Harry Maguire. <laughs> you, love, you love to bring that up, don't you? It's like you think... I know, but now that Raheem Sterling's not even there, so now in that team, he's the second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't, to be fair, I'm saying that. I don't know if Marcus Rashford might have overtaken him now that he's got a few goals. To be honest, time. at this rate, it might be Saka. Yeah, because Saka's got three in the tournament, so he might have had three before. Um, the centre mids are also like the two deep centre mids will probably be Rabio and Shuameni. That's also very strong. Uh, as I would, Theo Hernandez is good, but defensively, I don't think he's the best. Saka versus Theo Hernandez, I think he's probably his best bet for like really getting at them. And as much as a good goalkeeper, uh, Hugo Luis isn't what he was. He's been their weakest point, I think, this top this whole tournament has been Loris. Like he's not looked he's not looked confident for quite a while. Um the only other weak point that I think comes from that team is the fact that they've not got an out and out right back and they're playing Jules Gunde there. Yeah. If they sort of half shift into a free in possession, which I think they might do a lot of the time, that could be very interesting for Foden. It might really free him up. Because uh, I'm assuming we're not going to change anything for what it's worth. Like, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he changes it after that performance against Senegal. Are you not thinking we go to a back five then? Uh, before the Senegal game, I was utterly convinced we were going to a five for this game. I didn't even think it was a question, to be honest. And then we played, and I thought, if we sit back France and play a five, I just think France are just good enough that they'll score the couple. I think our chance of winning this is like... I think if we win, it's England and both teams score. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think our, our best bet is basically just, right, stick rice on Griezmann and... Rabio's not the best defensive-minded midfielder, which will give Bellingham a bit of room to move around, depending if they decide to stick Churamani on him or not. But if we go to a back five, we're leaving that midfield open for, for them to really pick us apart. Yeah. And Henderson, one of the big strengths about having him in for this game, when Liverpool were at the best, his job was right side of a midfield three, providing cover to the right back. Now, in that, it was because Trent was fucking off up the pitch. In this, it's because he's going to need a lot of help because Theo Hernandez and Mbappe 
down that side, mostly Mbappe, but Fernandez is no slouch either. You want your right centre mid to be willing to drop right in and really like get one get between Walker and Stones and drop in to help, but just sort of shield him and be in front of him when they're running at him. And he's gonna need he's gonna have to do a lot of work. Please where I don't think he'll be the one bombing into the box to score like he was against Senegal. I'd be surprised if you see him within 25 yards of goal outside of a set piece. No, I think that's fair. And I think yeah, ultimately I think I think there'll be a lot of there there has to be a lot of consideration goes into just how do we stop Mbappe. Um you know, I think with Giroud leading the line, it's. It, I think it's the whole thing of his career, really, is that he he is a, clearly a good player, but he's not unstoppable. It's just a case of making sure you're 100 percent focused on it. Don't you know? Just mark him sensibly. Don't lose your concentration, and I think we'll be fine with him. It's. Kyle, just wherever Kylian Mbappe goes, go with him. Yeah. In the, in the same way that I think our right winger has a chance of getting joy out of their left back, as much as I like, I think Luke Shaw's quite a good player. But if Dembele is on it, I think it, I think he'll have Shaw on toast, to be honest. He's, the thing is, Dembele's going to have to do a lot of covering as well because Shaw likes to get down that left hand side. And the weird thing is, I don't think he will. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I think it'll be able to score. I think short sure, we'll just get two V1s and they'll then get breaks because of it. They'll get Dembele versus Maguire. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they'll take that chance. Yeah, Harry Maguire to get carded might be a decent bet then. Yeah. Um, so we as we're just coming up to the hour, that'll be about right. Uh Obviously, my heart says England are going to win, but I reckon France will have this. Boo! Oh, you know, I'm going to back my mo- my money will go on England, by the way. But <laughs> but I I think like we have a I haven't made my mind up on a final score, but we have to put us work predictions in really early, and I went three one France. Well, I think this ends up being quite a close game. To be honest, I, I genuinely, as daft as it seems, when you sort of pick apart our starting lineup of an aging Jordan Henderson that's not been in the best form for Liverpool, a cent- one central defender who's not who's played well started one game since August in the league, another central defender who's been shifted to right back for his club because they need someone, so he goes there. Um, and you can you can do that, you know, with a, with a few players, but. Um, they've looked like the USA game aside I I, I think they've looked really positive in this Um, and I think the the good thing about the Senegal game was that we saw them not playing well for half an hour and then they were able to find that next gear which which I think was the big problem most people had with the USA game wasn't necessarily with the result was that we, we never were able to shift what you know shift the momentum in any way whereas we found that and and i don't know if that's i'm gonna pin it all on phil foden being there to be honest it was him i'm (laughs) telling you that flick ball down the line for bellingham that's when england started playing well (laughs) this is when he gets dropped for rashford yeah yeah i mean i know i was gonna say that actually about the the portugal game with ronaldo in in regards to uh when there was people calling for Rashford to stay in the team after, you know, scoring against a, a poor Wales team, you know, be uh, be even harsher because he obviously he did get dropped. Be even harsher if Ramos got dropped out of all that for Portugal. Patrick in a World Cup knockout game, no, out of the team. Yeah. It means nothing. So, are you going with heart? Are you going? Do you do you think that England will get through this? I think so. Yeah, I say that like I'm really confident about it. I think it'll be a very close and nervy game, but yeah, I think we get through it. I I reckon this is a draw after ninety minutes, and we nick it in extra time. 
Well, that'd be that'd be a fun Saturday because obviously every single person in the world is going to be either at home watching it or in the pub watching it. There is no one who's like such a shit football fan that they might have to go to like a meal or something like that instead of watching the game. Because KC, like we're down at the pub, aren't we? Yeah. And Alex, you're coming, of course, right? Fuck it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old woman sat at a birthday meal and no one's there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that would be the hour mark done, and that's worked out about perfect. So um, I don't think that we've got anything else that we particularly need to talk about. So out to add, lads, before we get away? No. Nope. Cool. Right. Well, that'll do us. I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one.